We here at Stormdar Weather work hand-in-hand with the National Weather Service and other professional weather service agencies as a weather-ready nation ambassador. We are avid weather enthusiasts who have studied the likes of Mother Nature for over 30 years. The purpose of this podcast is to provide weather information, facts, and trivia in a manner that is entertaining and easily understood by everyone. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Stormdar Weather Podcast. This is episode 40, the cool and wet Halloween. We're recording this on Tuesday, October 30th, 2018. I'm your host, Randy Luna, and it's just me today. It's kind of crazy this week because uh, in Branson, you have uh, the transition from regular season into Christmas season, and you have rehearsals, and it's just really crazy and Corey's got a lot to do at work today so this is going to be a short one and uh, but we wanted to get some stuff out there to you and wish everybody a happy Halloween. The big story this week is that the nice weather is coming to an end. I hope everyone got out and enjoyed those last few days of sunny weather with the highs in the low 70s. It was just insane out there. Um, The wind was blowing, the sun was shining. Uh, Of course, I was in doing shows, and I know a lot of us work, so we can't get out and enjoy it. But it was kind of nice for the end of October, before the winter season really starts kicking in. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's all going to change here Uh, today, actually. The clouds started streaming in about Oh, about 11 o'clock today, and the wind kicked up, and uh, Corey texted me and told me that the wind was blowing the leaves around, and and uh, the temperature's going to start falling here soon. That's because we've got a big cold front that's on the way, and that is responsible for all these clouds, and showers are going to be developing, and we're going to be going into a rainy, sea, a, a rainy period here in the next several days, uh, starting this afternoon. I mean, the showers are going to kind of kick in. It's going to start raining tonight, all day tomorrow, which is Halloween. It's going to rain uh, tomorrow night for the trick-or-treaters. Dress your kids up with uh, raincoats and umbrellas as they go collect their candy. And Thursday, it's uh, rain's going to kind of come to an end, probably midday. Uh, I got to tell you, models are just really all over the place. On this, I mean, and this is kind of typical of models in the winter time because the weather patterns are changing so f- quickly, so fast that you know they're only accurate about two, maybe three days out, and then they start diverging on day four through day, you know, six or seven. So uh, the forecast does change quite a bit, but since it's Tuesday and tomorrow's Halloween, it's a pretty good bet we're going to have a wet and rainy, cool Halloween. The temperatures are going to start falling. Uh, Tomorrow morning's low, Wednesday, Halloween morning low, is going to be in the mid-50s, and the temperature's really not going to go anywhere. (laughs) We're going to top out in the mid-50s Wednesday afternoon, and, uh, but the the good thing is, is there's, we don't see any really, really 
stupid cold weather coming. Uh, we're not talking about below freezing. It's just going to be kind of reset back into the you know upper 50s to upper 30s, around 40. We're not looking at flurries, not looking at, at snow just yet. Uh, a, a couple of days ago, the models were kind of hinting that there might be some flurries on Saturday morning, but you know, the thermal profiles, they were forecasting getting down into the middle 30s. So that would might suggest a little snow, but then the, the latest readings are coming in around 40. Um, let's not even talk about snow just yet. <laughs> um, not, not quite there yet. Uh, Corey and I are seriously researching now and looking for our... Uh, for information on our winter weather outlook 2018-2019. So in a couple of weeks, we will have that out. I will tell you, though, we've been looking at a lot of uh, a lot of news agencies, uh, amateur enthusiasts. A lot of winter weather outlooks are coming out right now. And most of them are saying it's going to be colder than normal and snowier than normal. And I got to tell you, we're not completely hooked on that concept just yet. Uh, like I said, we got to watch the El Nino and, and the PDO and the A&O and all these these things and put stuff together. I mean, it's really a crapshoot. I mean, we have to go with with climato- climatological resources and see, you know, look back on a, on, a, on a larger scale and say, okay, so this pattern is happening now. How is it going to translate into the winter season? You know, what's El Nino going to do? Where is that jet stream going to set up? I got to tell you, the jet stream is the big one because that's going to delineate where the colder air is going to go. So if we've got a big, what we call a high amplitude jet stream, which means it it comes, you know, in the northwest and then makes a huge dip in the middle part of the country and goes down to the southern states and then back up towards New York, that's a high amplitude. The, 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 the air on the north side of that jet stream is cold. The air on the southern side is warm. So we're right in the middle of the country, and that's that's why it's kind of a crapshoot at this point, because we really need to get an idea, a broad idea of where that jet stream is going to set up, because if it sets up along Interstate 70 in Kansas City, then we're on the warm side of the jet. <laughs> now, this is an average we're talking about. I mean, the jet stream's always going to be fluid and go up and down, but where is that average going to be? And that's going to be a big delineator in the winter weather outlook. It's like, how are we going to forecast snow or ice? I hesitate to say ice, but you have to look at that possibility when you're talking about all those winter weather things that are supposed to happen. Uh, But we'll talk about that later. It's not even November yet. So got to tell you, the trees are changing. We've got uh, some nice color popping on the trees. It's it's not going to last long. I mean, I went to visit my mother the other day, and the Greenlawn Cemetery is very near her house, and I drove past that and was just in awe of the vivid, bright colors just popping out from all the trees. And uh, here in Branson, we've got you know, the cemetery, which is close to me, and the colors are popping there too. Uh, people standing outside uh, their cars, the people getting outside of their cars and taking pictures of, of, of the beauty. So if you've got any pictures, uh, you want to snap some pictures, give it to us, uh, send it to us. We will post it online and give you credit for it. I mean, the colors are really 
really popping in some areas here. Okay, let's look at the tropics. Uh, believe it or not, they're still going, but they're not quite as active as they were a couple of weeks ago. In the Atlantic, we've got Hurricane Oscar. Oscar just kind of developed. It's the only thing out there. It's a Category 2 in the middle of the Atlantic, and it won't affect the U.S. at all. It's just going to kind of take off to the north and then head up to the northeast and become post-tropical or extra-tropical at that point. In the Pacific, we've got three disturbances hanging out. I mean, they're they're not hurricanes or anything. They're just kind of little disturbances around 10 degrees north, right along that equatorial uh, South America, along that line, uh, El Nino. That's where we look at El Nino's right there at the equator and up about 10 or 15 degrees. And not really seeing them becoming anything. I mean, they're just kind of hanging out there. I mean, hurricane seasons, everything's getting cooler now. So hurricane season is going to start really winding down. And in the Central Pacific, we don't have a thing out there. So overall, it looks like we are, uh, the U.S. Is, is spared now from any tropical systems. So we will... Keep monitoring that, and the next thing, uh, after the tropics, we'll start talking about winter. And we don't want to talk about winter right now, so we'll do that later on when stuff really starts happening. But the big thing going on, which happens twice a year in opposite directions, is the time change on Sunday. We will be setting our clocks back an hour, so a lot of us will be excited about that and getting an extra hour of sleep. And today's weather school is all about daylight saving time. So let's get to that. If there's something about the weather that you want to know, Stormed Our Weather School. We're about ready to set our clocks back an hour, which will end daylight savings time. If you were paying close attention to my opening statement, then you would have noticed that I intentionally mispronounced the phrase. Many people call it daylight savings time, but it is correctly pronounced daylight saving time. The main purpose of daylight saving time is to make better use of daylight. We change our clocks during the summer months to move an hour of daylight from the morning to the evening. If you live near the equator, day and night are nearly the same length of about 12 hours. But in the northern hemisphere, there is much more daylight in the summer than in the winter. The closer you live to the North Pole, the longer the period of daylight in the summer. Thus, daylight saving time, or summer time, is usually not helpful in the tropics, and countries near the equator generally don't change their clocks. According to some sources, daylight saving time saves energy. Studies done by the U.S. Department of Transportation in 1975 showed that daylight saving time trims the entire country's electricity usage by a small but significant amount, of about 1% each day, because less electricity is used for lighting and appliances. Similarly, in New Zealand, 
Power companies have found that power usage decreases 3.5% when daylight saving time starts. In the first week, peak evening consumption commonly drops about 5%. The rationale behind the 1975 study of daylight saving time related energy savings was that energy use and the demand for electricity for lighting homes is directly related to the times when people go to bed at night and rise in the morning. In the average home, 25% of electricity was used for lighting and small appliances such as TVs and stereos. A good percentage of energy consumed by lighting and appliances occurred in the evening when families were home. By moving the clock ahead one hour, the amount of electricity consumed each day decreased. In the summer, People who rose before the sun rises used more energy in the morning than if daylight saving time were not in effect. However, although 70% of Americans rose before 7 a.m., this waste of energy from having less sunlight in the morning was more than offset by the savings of energy that results from more sunlight in the evening. The idea of daylight saving time was first conceived by Benjamin Franklin during his sojourn as an American delegate in Paris in 1784. The idea was first advocated seriously by London builder William Willett in the pamphlet Waste of Daylight, 1907, that proposed advancing clocks 20 minutes on each of the four Sundays in April and turning them back by the same amount on four Sundays in September. As he was taking an early morning ride through Pett's Wood near Croydon, Willett was struck by the fact that the blinds of nearby houses were closed, even though the sun was fully risen. When questioned as to why he didn't simply get up an hour earlier, Willett replied with typical British humor, What? <laughs> In his pamphlet, The Waste of Daylight, he wrote, quote, Everyone appreciates the long, light evenings. Everyone laments their shortage as autumn approaches, and everyone has given utterance to regret that the clear, bright light of an early morning during spring and summer months is so seldom seen or used. Daylight saving time has been used in the U.S. and in many European countries since World War I. Other countries who adopted this 1916 action are Belgium, Denmark, France, Italy, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, Sweden, Turkey, and Tasmania. Nova Scotia and Manitoba adopted it as well, with Britain following suit three weeks later on May 21, 1916. In 1917, Australia and Newfoundland began daylight saving. During World War II, President Franklin Roosevelt instituted year-round daylight saving time, called wartime, from February 9, 1942 through September 30, 1945. From 1945 to 1966, there was no federal law regarding daylight saving time, so states and localities were free to choose whether or not to observe daylight saving time and could choose when it began and when it ended. This understandably caused confusion, 
especially for the broadcasting industry, as well as for railways, airlines, and bus companies. But on January 4, 1974, President Nixon signed into law the Emergency Daylight Saving Time Energy Conservation Act of 1973. Then, beginning on January 6, 1974, implementing the Daylight Saving Time Energy Act clocks were set ahead. On October 5, 1974, Congress amended the act and standard time returned on October 27, 1974. Daylight saving time resumed on February 23, 1975 and ended on October 26, 1975. In the U.S., daylight saving time starts on the second Sunday in March and ends on the first Sunday in November with the time changes taking place at 2 o'clock a.m. local time. With a mnemonic wordplay referring to seasons, clocks spring forward and fall back. That is, in springtime, the clocks are moved forward from 2 a.m. to 3 a.m., and in the fall, they are moved back from 2 a.m. to 1 a.m. Daylight saving time lasts for a total of 34 weeks, or around 238 days every year, which is about 65% of the entire year. Arizona does not observe daylight saving time except for the Navajo Nation. Hawaii, along with the overseas territories of American Samoa, Guam, the Northern Mariana Islands, Puerto Rico, and the United States Virgin Islands also do not observe daylight saving time. Sometimes it's a task trying to just adjust to the new time change regime. Some people show up early or late to church or to pre-scheduled events occurring on the day of the time change. So the best thing to do is set your clocks back or forward an hour on the Saturday night before the time changes go in effect. If you have a question about the weather you'd like us to answer, then send us an email at stormdarweather at gmail.com and in the subject line, put weather question. Well, that does it for this edition of Stormdar Weather School. And I can't believe how many people actually say daylight savings time. That's It just rolls off the tongue a little bit easier and... and That's actually incorrect. Daylight saving time. And we will be going back into Central Standard Time come Sunday morning at 2 a.m. So set your clocks back Saturday night before you go to bed. Uh, To me, it's, it's kind of fun because some people tell me, oh, I was late for church or... Or I didn't get to whatever on time. Well, that's because you didn't set your clocks back. So make sure and do that. All right, let's get to the next segment. It's the weather word of the week. And this week's Stormdar Weather Weather Word of the Week is a phrase, not a word. And that is turkey tower. I thought that was really funny. So I thought I'm going to use that for the weather word of the week. So a turkey tower is a narrow individual cloud tower that develops and falls apart rapidly. So basically, if you have a really strong updraft, 
you know, a little isolated area. It just shoots all that warm and moist air up there, makes a cloud, makes a little tower, and then it either has shear or the updraft stops or whatever, and then bam, it just disappears. How cool. I think I've got rain shafts. Uh, those are really interesting. We've posted some of those on online before. So speaking of posting, we said it before, we're going to say it again. Go ahead and send us pictures. Uh, Sundog, uh, our friend Brad, Case sent us a double parhelion, which is a double sundog the other day, and it was just amazing. And then once we post something, we start getting other pictures from you, which is awesome. So go ahead and do that. And we got to tell you, next week is going to be back to normal, and it's going to be a very special edition of the Storm Dry Weather Podcast. Corey will be back, hopefully. <laughs> he better be. <laughs> and uh, we're going to have a returning guest. We're going to have our meteorologist friend, Mike Griffin, join us for the podcast next week, and we're going to see how he's doing. And uh, he's moved to Cleveland uh, Ohio and is the lead meteorologist there. So it'd be really nice to check back in with him to see how things are going up there. And if he misses Tornado Alley here, and uh, if he's ready for the massive winter he's going to have up there in Ohio. <laughs> so be sure to join us for that. We'll promote that. So let's wrap this edition up. Be sure to look for us on Facebook at Stormdar Weather, like our page, and be sure to like or comment on our posts to have them show up in your newsfeed. You can always contact us through our Facebook page or send us an email to stormdarweather at gmail.com. Well, that does it for this time. So join us next week for the next edition of the Stormdar Weather Podcast. Stormdar Weather.